0: Welcome to this episode of the INS Infusion Room. My guest today is Sue Weaver, the new president of the INS Board of Directors. Welcome, Sue, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It's an honor to be here in the INS Infusion Room.
0: Tell our listeners about your current employment and your passion for infusion nursing, Sue.
1: Yes, Don. I am passionate about infusion nursing, and I currently am a nurse scientist at the Hackensack Meridian Health and May Center for Nursing and at the New Jersey Collaborating Center for Nursing, which is New Jersey's Nursing Workforce Center. At Hackensack Meridian Health, I'm an active member of the vascular access team, implementing policies and procedures updating them based on the new INS standards of practice.
0: Now I want to ask you to tell us about your new role as INS President of the Board of Directors.
1: Certainly, Dawn. I am honored to follow Angie Sims and begin my one-year term as President of the Infusion Nurses Society. I am very fortunate to have a great Dedicated board of directors team to work with. The members of the INS 2021 2022 board of directors are President elect Max Holder, and he lives in Texas, our presidential advisor Angie Sims, who lives in Oregon, the secretary treasurer Joan Coden, who lives in Ohio. I always want to say Iowa, I don't know why she lives in Ohio. And Nancy Bowles, who is a director at large who lives in Kentucky and works in Virginia. Angela Skelton, a director at large who lives in Texas. And Dr. John Garrett, a public member who also lives in Texas. We pledge to work together as a board to attain the INS organizational goals this year.
0: Sue, we are so happy to have you as the new president. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your presidential theme?
1: Certainly. During my term, I hope to inspire my INS colleagues with my presidential theme, Research Your Passion. And I look forward to sharing my passion for research and my work With Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation, and my recent interest in the healthy work environment. Now, I know many nurses don't get excited about nursing research, but for me, ever since graduating from a diploma school, I wanted to be involved in research. As my career progressed, I became increasingly weary of reading the beginning and the end of research articles and not understanding the middle. So in 2011, After more than 30 years as a nurse, I began working on my PhD. At the beginning of my research studies, I was advised to research whatever you're passionate about. So I would give the same advice to infusion nurses. Research takes time and energy, so research something you love. My initial research focused on the administrative or evening and night supervisor role, which was a role I held and loved for many years. Even though this role has been present in hospitals since 1901, no research had been conducted on the impact supervisors have on nurse and patient outcomes. So I started with a pilot study. I interviewed 10 administrative or house supervisors in New Jersey to better understand their role. My findings were the first to empirically identify the responsibilities of administrative supervisors, along with the need for nationwide research to better understand the role. Starting with the pilot project is a great first step. Remember, the best innovation, performance improvement, EBP or evidence-based practice projects and research is generated by you, those directly involved in infusion care. So maybe if you have not conducted research before, start your journey with holding a journal club, reading and critiquing research articles. When reading these articles, think about how you would have conducted the study. Then start with conducting a performance improvement project on topics that excite you or are in your area of expertise. There was a simple quality improvement or performance improvement project that was conducted nurses in our nurse residency program at my organization. After completing the IV course and learning the proper steps for inserting short peripheral cl- catheters, these nurses recognized that nurses on their units were not always using chlorhexidine to cleanse the IV site. They noticed that if nurses did not get the IV on the first attempt, When they tried to start the IV at another site, they used alcohol to cleanse the site because they had already used the one chlorhexidine swab that came in our IV start kit. So the aim of their project, which followed the plan, do, check, act steps, was to increase compliance with cleansing IV sites with chlorhexidine. The nurses worked with the nurse manager to obtain additional chlorhexidine swabs and place them right next to the bin with the IV start kit. A simple project that made a big difference.
0: That's a really good example of bedside process improvement. And it was really meaningful. And until we asked the question, why are we using alcohol as the prep? It wasn't understood. And then that was discovered and change was brought forth. Very good. Let's move on and let's talk about the new normal after the pandemic. Is there such a thing, Sue? Oh,
1: the new normal
0: after the pandemic. You know, many of you
1: know, New Jersey got hit especially hard with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, We have nine acute care hospitals in New Jersey and we had an onslaught of COVID-19 patients. We reverted to pandemic charting, and now we're trying to get back to this new normal. During the pandemic, we didn't have our policy regarding changing peripheral IVs when clinically indicated.
0: So Sue, tell us what changed. I know you're talking about right in the middle of the pandemic what happened at your organization with the practice of changing peripheral intravenous catheters as clinically indicated?
1: So before the pandemic, we were still changing short peripheral catheters every 96 hours. We knew the INS standards were to change when clinically indicated. We were working on developing a policy and procedure to Change to clinically indicated. And then the pandemic hit, and we were able, in the midst of the pandemic, along with implementing pandemic charting, to implement this change to clinically indicated. And many nurses were very happy about this. This was a, a great change for our patients, also, um, less burdensome on nurses with that additional time it takes to start this short peripheral catheters. But now, as some of our hospitals have, quite happily, no COVID-19 patients, we need to get back to our regular charting and our regular assessment of IV sites and documentation every four hours. And that's the challenge we're facing now at my organization. We've transitioned to clinically indicated, but now we have to remind nurses about the importance of not only, we know they're checking the IV site every single time they go in the room, but it's that next step of documenting that they've checked the IV site every four Mm -hmm. hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it almost seems like we have to get back to reminding nurses about our pre-COVID standards of practice. That's a big transition from pandemic charting back to the new normal.
0: It is. Thank you so much for sharing about a practice change that took place during the pandemic that was helpful then, but it is as you say so important right now to go back and just really know that we are doing that thorough assessment and documentation of that assessment. So let's transition into our next area of conversation, which is healthy work environment. And now I know that this is something that you're truly passionate about. Tell our listeners, what is healthy work environment and and the standards that surround that topic?
1: You're right, Dawn. I am very excited about the healthy work environment. And it's another area of research that I am really interested in. According to the American Nurses Association, a healthy work environment is one that is safe, empowering, and satisfying, and allows nurses to provide quality patient care. In 2005, the American Association of Critical Care Nurses had the vision to establish the six standards of the healthy work environment. And those standards are skilled communication, true collaboration effective decision-making, appropriate staffing, meaningful recognition, and authentic leadership. And I think often about my past work environments. And maybe you think about it too. Like if you had perfect, appropriate staffing, like when I worked in the ICU, if I had my perfect two patients, I was good. But if the Manager was yelling at me. The doctors would throw down the chart and not even communicate with me. If you didn't have all those other standards, it was not a healthy work environment. So, yeah, yeah, I had two patients. I had good staffing, but it was a stressful work environment because people were nasty and yelling. So, I think these standards are very meaningful to me, and I hope you'll find them meaningful also. AACN, the critical care nurses, also developed an 18 item instrument with six subscales that measures these healthy work environment standards. So now I want you to think about your work environment and these standards. And let's just talk about one of them. Let's talk about meaningful recognition, which is mutual respect through mutual recognition to promote the value that each person brings to the organization. In our research on the healthy work environment, we ask clinical nurses and nurse managers how they recognize others and how they like to be recognized at their organization. And I especially like what one clinical nurse told us, and I'm gonna quote her. Sometimes the acknowledgement doesn't feel big enough. And sometimes when somebody acknowledges you in a way It just gives you that extra wind behind your sails to pick it back up and keep going. Still gives me chills when I read that quote. Anyways, do you agree with this clinical nurse? The nurse managers told us that recognition has to be meaningful to how the person wants to receive it. So think about meaningful recognition at your workplace. And I'd also encourage you to take advantage of the INS. Awards and Recognition Program. Also, for more information about the healthy work environments, check out the article in the March-April issue of our Journal of Infusion Nursing. The article is entitled Emotional Hazards of Work, and it was written by Deborah Boyle and Marlene Steinheiser. and they talk in detail about the standards. I think the healthy work environment is very important. But I also think it's very important for us as nurses to take care of ourselves. I think this summer is a perfect time to start with self-care.
0: Now, I know that you are interested in Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation. So you just created the perfect segue into that topic. Tell us about Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation.
1: Yes, Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation is another passion of mine. And I just want to start with the background on that, on how that got started. The American Nurses Association conducted a health risk appraisal of registered nurses, which showed that nurses in the U.S. were overweight, did not get enough sleep, or eat the recommended daily amounts of fruits and vegetables, and had high workplace stress. In recognition of this Shocking, alarming, upsetting information, the ANA created Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation in May 2017. So let's think about how we can become healthier infusion nurses. It is important to recognize that everyone's journey to becoming healthier is different. And it is not just about nutrition and physical activity. Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation has five fundamental indicators of wellness. Rest, nutrition, physical activity, quality of life, and safety. Now, when I first joined Healthy Nurse Healthy Nation, I realized I wasn't getting enough sleep. Life was so busy that I would often do one more thing at night, sacrificing sleep and feeling exhausted in the morning. I recognized that getting enough sleep is just as important as exercise and eating nutritiously. So I started tracking my sleep, went to bed a few minutes earlier each night to finally reach my goal of seven hours of sleep. I now consistently get seven hours of sleep, even though it may be challenging at times, especially when I'm going to be visiting my twin grandsons this summer. So currently, with Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation, I'm working on being more mindful. Think about this. Do you remember your car ride to work today? What were you thinking about the last time you inserted an IV catheter? When you were on a Zoom meeting, were you doing anything else other than listening to those who were speaking? Often, I had trouble and have trouble remembering my car ride to work. Or when baking a cake, I lose count of how much flour I added. Or when playing tennis, I can never remember the score. And I love to multitask when on a Zoom meeting. But Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation introduced me to mindfulness, and things are starting to change for me. Just this week when playing tennis, I knew the score because my mind was in the game. I now try to push thoughts, about what I'm doing after tennis and just focus on the game. Honestly, though, being more attentive during Zoom meetings and conference calls is still a work in progress. And I must be honest, when I'm listening to the INS podcast, I'm usually on the treadmill. So INS has partnered with Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation and really encourages infusion nurses to join. And there is an abundance of resources on Healthy Nurse Healthy Nation. And it's free for all nurses. You do not have to be a member of the American Nurses Association to join. Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation members have access to so much, such as a healthy survey with immediate results in form of a heat map. New blogs are posted every month on wellness topics and other healthy nurse journeys. Life events like Twitter chats, and discussion boards. I particularly like the Healthy Nurse challenges each month and I receive text reminders of what I should incorporate into my day. The June Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation challenge focuses on quality of life and the challenge is called Decompress. Where's your happy place? And we'll be receiving tips on how to shake off the remnants of the day, relax, get calm, and take care of you. So I really hope you'll join me and other healthy nurses who have joined ANA's Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation. And let's join together on a journey to be healthier infusion nurses.
0: Excellent. Well, let's conclude our discussion today then by talking a little bit about INS 2021, our annual meeting in Las Vegas. What are some of the sessions that you're looking forward to attending?
1: First of all, Don, I'm so excited to get back to an in-person meeting, to see all my friends and colleagues in person. Maybe we can even give some hugs
0: to each other, right? <laughs> I think we might.
1: Um, I'm particularly excited about the many sessions that are on short peripheral IV catheters, such as the Cost associated with use of PIVCs, continuing improvement opportunities for short peripheral IV catheters, the newly licensed nurse confidence and competence with short PIVCs. And of course, I am excited to attend Dr. Jeanette Adams' session on clinical trials and also Dr. Leslie Kelly's presentation on more than resilience. Finding joy at work because we know joy and resiliency and joy at work are really an important part of the healthy work environment and for us to be healthy infusion nurses. So I really look forward to seeing everyone in August at the INS annual meeting.
0: And we look forward to seeing everyone as well and certainly seeing you there, Sue. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners today?
1: Just enjoy the summer, try to take time for some self-care, and I look forward to meeting everyone at the INS Annual Meeting.
0: Thank you, Sue. This concludes this episode of INS Infusion Room, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. We welcome your comments. You can reach us at infusionroom at ins1.org that's infusionroom at ins1.org thank you for listening